Hey now, say now, you're tuned into the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. I am here at the Living the Dream Studios in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon. And today we got a very, very special guest. You may have seen him in the movie Three Strikes. You may have seen him in the movie Soul Plane. You may have even seen him in the Eve show. Brian Hooks, the legendary Brian Hooks, joining us here, man. Thanks for finally being able to connect with you, man. And it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Yeah, 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 man. It's good to be here. Good to be here, boss. Me too. I'm fine. Glad uh, schedule's been crazy, but I'm glad we finally connected, man. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. And we'll definitely get into your crazy schedule and some of the stuff that you got going on today. But okay. to sort of lay the foundation for this conversation, I want to talk about what it is that you do in the independent comedy and film and acting scene. Because oftentimes when we think about independence and entertainment, we attribute it to that of the music industry where you have artists that are anti-label or aren't signed to labels or they have these quote unquote partnerships. And I say that with air quotes because I know that's sort of a buzzword that gets thrown around loosely. Um, so in your case, being somebody that's been independent for a very long time in the, in the entertainment industry, what does it mean for you with the work that you do to be independent? I mean, I think it's um, everything and I think it's the, it's the new normal, in my opinion, um, because it allows you to sort of control your own destiny. And, you know, the way I sort of dove into independence was sort of accidentally on purpose. Uh, a buddy and I, we were studying at Cal State University, Northridge. I was a math major going to school to teach, and he was in the film, um, the film program there. And so it was on the hills of Fat Beach, which had um, been released theatrically did okay, went to DVD and went crazy and broke all kinds of records. And so he approached me to make this film. He was a little short on funds. He had like 10 grand, needed like three more. So I was like, okay. So we made this film for $13,000. When we finished the film, it was absolutely horrible. I, and I mean horrible, <laughs> but yeah. it, was 90, it, was, it was 90 minutes and it was funny. And so Xenon Entertainment, which is this mid-level uh, distributor, picked the film up. And long story short, that film we made for $13,000 went on to make $800,000. Damn. Yes. And from there, we had found a little niche to where we can make these modest budget films and sort of control our own destiny and not be at the mercy of a studio or executive or whoever it may be telling us, you're good enough. Your films are good enough. And what I always say to folks is the, the, the money that we made was amazing on that. However, I think the bigger lesson was the idea that we stepped out on faith, we took a shot on ourselves, we pushed out of the planning phase and just went out to make it happen. Because again, we didn't make a great product, right? We just made a product and we took that first step and we opened up a world foundation of independent uh, filmmaking and um it's been the foundation for everything that i do and now x years later you know all those things i was learning because i was um i thought was a burden because i was having to make films with two hands tied behind my back now is a blessing because we entered this pandemic and while most uh entertainers actors are sort of waiting for um you know, the industry to open back up and at the mercy of them saying, okay, we're gonna go now and then things trickling out and it's not as much work. Um, they're just sitting 
waiting to be called when I have all the tools to be able to make a film on my own, by myself, however, whenever, with whoever. And so it's a blessing to be able to do that. And we were able to do just that and navigate and safely go out and execute a film um, in the middle of the pandemic. And so that's what independence allows you. It allows you to control your own destiny. And in this business of uh, acting and filmmaking and entertainment, that's just also important nowadays because, uh, you know, as you see, you know, a lot of the celebrities, they just recycle and use the same people over and over and over. Right. So by being independent and knowing how to make a film and knowing how to put yourself out there and knowing how to tap into your own talent and worth is everything. That's what I've been able to do. And that's what independence is to me. And now we're sitting here in the most independent time ever, where it's not just something that a few people are doing on the side, but it's something that's highly respected and everybody ideally wants to push to and sort of control, um, you know, their own destiny. And there's so many different outlets looking for content now. Um, you know, independence is sort of king. Absolutely. Now, I also want to just talk about your history in Hollywood. And I, you know, being a podcaster, I got to do my research. I got to see what Brian Hooks has been out here talking about on other platforms as well. Mm -hmm. So I certainly want to credit uh, the Comedy Hype show that you were on fairly recently. And you sort of just talked about Hollywood and, and sort of the being inside of the belly of the beast that is Hollywood. And yeah. How, how things go on, you know, that sometimes may be immoral or may go against your values. And so mm -hmm. I think that sort of has made it easier for you to lean into this independent comedy space. But I do want to ask a follow-up question to what it was that they asked you, asked you about mm -hmm. that. And that is, um, is there any examples that you've dealt with or faced head on? And you don't have to like say any names or anything, mm -hmm. but to where it made you feel as if you made the right decision by going independent based on a certain experience that you had in Hollywood? I think um, for me, there's, there's really been no huge it moment, but as I look around again at my peers, and I see some of them who, you know, I mean, you know, you grew up watching people and you like what they doing now. And, you know, they're, they're just sort of starving, waiting to be fed by this industry, right? And so with me, you know, again, you know, everything that I was learning over those years, I may not have had, you know, knew exactly where I was going. Yeah. But as I look back with all those tools I've acquired, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, that has set me up to never have to um, be at the mercy of these decision makers. And so the idea that I see some of my peers sort of sitting and waiting and hungry and thirsty lets me know that, wow, I'm on the right path doing the right thing. And in other moments, I know a lot of, um, you know, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of peers as well are just sort of, you know, they've, they've, they've sort of played themselves in the sense that they sort of swap their self for to, to, to gain access, right? Yeah. So if they don't have the ability to go out and 
make independent films or create uh, projects or create work for themselves, then they're more apt to sort of, you know, be involved in whatever they need to be involved in to fit in so they can get in, right? right. So I've, I've never, and, 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 I, and I'll say, you know, it's just, that's just who I am, man. So it wasn't even um, a decision to like, okay, I'm gonna make sure I don't do X, Y, and Z. It's just something in me, you know what I mean? And I'm thankful and I feel blessed that I was never, it was just never an option to right. go into these different rooms, different parties, uh, different offices, and pretend to be someone I'm not. Not even if it's just for five minutes. Now, I don't mean I'm running around being an asshole, you know, by any means, but yeah. I'm a humble person. I'm thankful. I know that I'm blessed for everything that I'm given. And so when, when, when the conversation, you know, goes left or the actions go um, right, then, you know, I know it's like, okay, this is, this is not the space for me. Right. So if it's a group of people or a party happening at a certain place, and, you know, I know they do, you know, all kind of wild things, then you know, I, I'm not going there, Absolutely. right? Because, like, what, 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 what am I going to do there, right? Right. You know I mean? Like, I don't do this, I don't do that, and, you know, it's just, um, it's just not for me. So I've always made the decisions, and I think people never really even approached me with the nonsense because they understood by, you know, the way I stand, the way I speak, the things I do, that, like, he not going to go for the BS. Yeah. So if we got, you know, 10 people in this room, you know, doing X, Y, and Z, we can't have dude here because he's just going to be watching us. Right, right. And he's likely to go tell everybody because he ain't doing it, you know? Right, right. Uh, the rest of us is doing it, so mom's the word, you know? Right. And again, like I said before, you know, you, you, you see it in a lot of people's actions and eyes. If some people say, so if, if you see someone who's on top, and they have all this access, everything you so-called dream of, you know, the studios love you, the big films, the so on and so forth, and you still in your gut, you know, can't find happiness. And if you're still leaning into that alcohol, you're still leaning into that drugs, if you can't find balance right. when you've been blessed with, you know, the stability of being, you know, the it guy or the it gal in Hollywood, then, you know, you've likely made some moral sacrifices to get there. And that wow. sits with you. That yeah. sits with you. you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Ha like doing the right thing doesn't always feel good though. So in you doing the right thing here morally, and I agree with everything that you just said, has there ever been a time though where you felt like maybe you were being unapproachable or too unapproachable or have you always just kind of stood firm in this thing and just really knew your mission you know in, in regards to being this in this industry and having certain limits that you wouldn't go past yeah I think um absolutely you know what I mean because it, it, it is going to come off to some people as unapproachable or yeah you know and things like that um but but to say this again I never it was never something that I went out to a, a party or event and said, okay, I'm standing tall in what I believe. You're talking to a dude who 
I don't drink, I, I don't drink or smoke. I've never been drunk ever in my life. I've never drank a glass of beer, a glass wow. of wine. I don't do alcohol. So it's no. just a, you know, and that's not to say, oh, that's great. That's what you do. But that's just how I'm built. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. it, it, you know, some people say they don't drink, but you know, they have a drink him. Like I've never, never drank, you know right. what I'm saying? And so that's sort of who I am. So I'm not the guy that really do stuff that I don't do because certain people are around. So it's not a choice to like go in the room like, yeah, I'm gonna be me and that's gonna be, yeah, don't pro me with the knife. <laughs> like, it, it ain't yeah. that, it's just, right. oh yeah, that's B. And you know, I don't, you know, um, you know, I, I don't I don't step into the room, start running my mouth and so on and so forth. So it could be a little, uh, you know, come off a little standoffish, but it's not that, you know, right. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm generally, I'm just a, just you know, being you. A, yeah, and I'm a humble yeah. dude, and I'm, you know, although my characters are crazy, which is also confusing, I don't walk into rooms like that, you know what right, I'm saying? So right. it could be taken the wrong way at times, but, you know, I, I say all that to say it, it's, it's not a conscious decision. It was just me being me, you know what I mean? And, like, I'm comfortable and know my heart, you know what I mean? If I got a dollar and, and I know there's someone in need, like, you know, you got 50 cents, let's split this. And, right. and, and do what we do. And um, so I know that. So whatever right. people are thinking for whatever reason, you know what I mean? I knew at the end of the day, it was bogus. They clearly don't know me and I can't control what people have or haven't heard. So it never really weighed on me. But definitely, again, if you're aggressive and you're in those circles and you're shaking and moving and dancing and spinning around, yeah. you know, uh, people like that. People Absolutely. like that. But again... You know, I was never compelled to, you know, put on a, a costume or a mask and go and, and try to be somebody else. Man, life too hard as it is. This business yeah. is difficult <laughs> as it is. And now I got to pretend to be somebody else sometimes. Yeah, like, come that's on, tough. man. Like, let's, Absolutely. Let, me just, let me just settle into this Brian Hooks and just just do that the best I can and and, and that be that. And, 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 and where that takes us. I will accept that and be appreciative, but I can't, you know what I mean? I, I can't get into all the extraness. Absolutely. Here's my question, right? Because mental health obviously has become a mainstream topic in today's society for all the right reasons, I believe. But in the case of comedy, like you've heard oftentimes just from different comedians and just generally speaking that um, comedy could sort of be a defense mechanism for people. Um, based on maybe something that it was that they experienced throughout their life, some sort of trauma they may have experienced throughout their life, and they had to kind of make a joke out of everything so that they could kind of steer away from having to face head on that particular trauma. Um, in your case, though, as Brian Hooks, as you already mentioned, you play some crazy roles. You're <laughs> absolutely hilarious. For you, initially, before comedy and acting became a profession, was it a defense mechanism for you or just has Brian Hooks always been this funny guy since inception that just knew how to make a room laugh or just, you know, make something out of anything in regards to just being the funny guy, being the class clown maybe, and just, you know, yeah. being able to get laughter out of the people around you. Yeah. You know, I, and, I, and I've been blessed in that sense. And you go into those comedy rooms, man, and, it was a shock for me because I didn't start off doing stand-up, although a lot of people think that I did. You know, it was just my comedy acting right. that was the foundation for everything that I've done. And so when I delve into comedy, it means going into these comedy rooms, working out locally, 
you know what I mean? Testing the jokes, writing and, and you know, and fine tuning your craft. And it's, it's a lot of darkness with these comics, man. And, and then a lot of them tend to be very, you know, sad, very lonely, very bitter. And, and they have these things happening and that they're trying to feel. This industry attacks, uh, attracts a very unstable um, personality, you yeah. know? Um, and, and, and if you have these vices that they feel like, okay, once I make it, then I'm gonna feel better. But it doesn't work like that. It just magnifies who you are. It magnifies your vices as well. So if you do a little drugs before you make it, you're gonna do a whole lot of drugs once you do make it. Wow. You do a little drinking when you before you yeah. make it, you're gonna do a lot of drinking, you know what I mean? And so on and so on. It's not going to fix the problem. And so um, a lot of these folks don't realize that and they're chasing, thinking this is going to feel something and it's not. And for me, again, it was never that. And that's why I'm so thankful for my parents. You know what I mean? Because we grew up, I don't know if we middle class or lower middle class, but if you would have asked me and my siblings when we were young, you'd be like, oh no, we rich. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because yeah, 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 yeah. My, my parents always, you know, figured out a way to make sure we never... We never needed anything. And, and they also, at every moment that they could, make sure we had some of the things we wanted. And so my energy just comes from being a natural fool. Right, you right. Know? So yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I grew up in Bakersfield, California, and then, you know, entertainment, there wasn't really any, you know, room or opportunity. So my uh, entertaining was limited to the, you know, the school talent shows, um, the classroom, uh, you know, antics, and um, you know, showing out in church and getting getting popped in the back of the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Absolutely. so you know what I mean. So them <laughs> them, them church pews was my stage. You Absolutely. know, that, you know what I'm saying. You know, and so and so I just once I was able to come down here and go to Cal State Northridge. After high school, I found myself in the epicenter of entertainment. And, um, you know, I was young and, you know, and, and and I didn't have a clue what the business was or what it could be. I just knew it was something that was exciting and cool. And outside of my math studies, I'm going to try to get my feet wet and see what happens. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's, that's, that's sort of been how I came to here. It was something that I always sort of thought would be cool and long for, but I didn't know, no, I should say it, it was possible until, you know, I came down for college at Cal State Northridge and then it was just sort of all around me, man. And that's when I dove in and um, never looked back. Absolutely. Um, as we mentioned already, you, you, you've got a long history of being a part of all types of different platforms that many of us are familiar with. So this is sort of a twofold question here. Who is the most impressive person in this industry that you feel like you've ever worked with? And also following up on that, um, what was the funnest or your favorite cast, your favorite overall cast to be a part of? Right. Um, man, the, uh, who was the, was the best time that I ever worked with? I think um, it, I've been lucky to be a part of some some cool groups, you yeah. know, and, 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 and the work that I've done, you know what I mean? Because sometimes you do get crazy folks and, 
<laughs> sort of, I've, yeah, I've been lucky to sort of dodge that, man. But um, I would have to say, um, oh man, that's, uh, you know, High School High, Makai Pfeiffer, um, Melinda, Tia Carrera, John Lovitz. Yeah. It was such a good time. And I think maybe it was because I was, so young and it was so new and i think um you know at the time that was the largest budgeted film that i did and it right. was it was just it was so foreign to me to be on this set with all this access with all these cool people and so we were like three months as a family making this big studio film i had this character that i just was able to let loose on and and that was just that was just a really, really amazing time. And so I think all those people on there I took from and and thought were super duper amazing. But as far as folks that I, you know, I also mentioned because um, one of the persons that I'm really moved by, I would say is Jamie Foxx in the sense of what he's been able to do. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't know, like Jamie played Ray like, and, yes, and did. killed it, killed it, it, right? You <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, you started looking, listening to Ray Charles' music for a year after that, you know Absolutely. what I mean? But on the other end, Jamie did Booty Call, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so yes, you know what did. I mean? And and far as his career, he's never been able to be put in a box, and he's yeah. been respected on both ends, and he's a stand-up comic, so... You know, as much as, you know, because I'm a fan as well. You know what I mean? I'm not like, oh, yeah, man. Do yeah, do. Yeah. yeah, who's your favorite thing? I'm my favorite thing. Like, <laughs> it, it ain't that like, you You're know. You're a fan of the sport. Right. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And so with Jamie, man, people don't realize, you know, he's had a sitcom. You know what I mean? He's done stand-up. He's done amazing. He's done the, the most dramatic films. He's done the most hood films and booty call. And then... You know, he's part of the, you know, the, you know, the, the, the Spider-Mans or whatever, the, you know, the comics. And so most people don't get to do that, right? right? Like you say, okay, you do drama. Okay, you do comedy. Okay, you do TV. But not Jamie, man. They haven't been able to put him in the box. So not somebody I've worked with or somebody I have, you know, a personal relationship with, um, you know, other than we see each other in passing. But he's been able to you know, stretch his wings and do some amazing things. Um, but as far as the cast and project, I would say, you know, Eve show, yeah. we were like a family, man. Yeah. And for three years, you know, uh, like, what was it, 66, 70 episodes. That's a and, lot of episodes. Yeah, we just had the most amazing time. And most, again, with most casts like that, you know, you're just going to get personalities to clash. You know, actors are usually unstable folks, but not right. us, man. We would work all day and hang out all night and then go to work back early in the morning. <laughs> like, it, it, it was such a great time. It, yeah. it was just like, you know, we, we were just like best friends and we made great content and we just had fun, man. So that was probably, you know, one of the greatest experiences as a cast that I've had. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about the recent uh, Dave Chappelle clip that he posted um, for a special that he has coming out where he discussed 
him being able to get his licensing back for the Chappelle show. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of that had to do with, you know, the community and the people coming out and boycotting against Netflix when they had started airing the Chappelle, the Chappelle show via Netflix. Um, and then it sort of got me to thinking about, you know, the special that he did over the summer, 846, where he was talking about the entire George Floyd uh, murder, mm -hmm. you know, by the hands of the police officers. Um, and then from there, I just kind of started to think about the sociocultural impact that Dave Chappelle has had and still is having by way of how he's, shaped, he's shaping and shifting how businesses operated, obviously, with what it was he was able to do with the Chappelle show, but also mm -hmm. being able to, to acknowledge and articulate himself in a way that reaches so many different people on issues such as that of mm -hmm. George Floyd's passing away. Now, to sort of bring that sociocultural element to what it is that Brian Hooks is doing, you're currently rocking the Left of Bang Entertainment gear right now. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about what Left of Bang Entertainment is for those that aren't familiar and sort of the sociocultural impact that you intend for Left of Bang Entertainment to have. Yeah, and so what, what happened was a couple of years ago, you know, with everything that I've done, it was cool, but it was just something, and I, and I can explain it now, but at the time I didn't know, it was something missing. And it came down to, you know, what's, what's, what's my legacy? Like, what am I doing? How or am I giving back? And, you know, and, and what can I do? You know, what do I want to leave? And, you know, it, 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 is the work that I'm doing pushing anyone forward? You know, and um, I was reading um, a book, Steve Jobs, and he was trying to convince, I forget the guy, but he was the head of PepsiCo okay. at the time. And he was trying to convince him to come and um, work with him over at Apple, you know what I mean? And he continuously tried to get this guy and convince him to come and work with him, but he kept telling Steve no. You know, he just took, you know, Coca-Cola to number one the year before he was the, he was the man. And he tried and tried and tried unsuccessfully until one day he asked him a game-changing question that got him to say yes. And this question um, moved me extremely. Yeah. And what he said to the guy to get him to come and work with him, he said, do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life or do you want to come with me and change the world? And I had to look myself in the mirror and ask myself that same question. Am I selling sugar water or am I changing the world? And I said, well, I'm, I'm making a whole bunch of Kool-Aid. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm making a whole bunch of Kool-Aid. Yeah. And it was at that moment I had to seek out something more, right? And so on my journey, I had some credible mentors, George Antone, Willie Hooks, who really helped me to take all these Lego pieces that I acquired and built up over the years and sort of construct them, start to construct them into something, um, something uh, that made sense. And one of the other things I did was I joined the Santa Monica Rotary. And that's a group, an organization whose model is service over self, mm. period. Right. Service over self. That's how we move. That's how we analyze the world. And they've done amazing things for years and, 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 and decades in helping people 
locally and internationally. And so one day within a rotary, I was visiting a rotary and there was an ex-police chief there um, as a guest speaker. And he made a comment that really, really put things into focus for me. He said that at the age of three, they could predict that a child would end up in prison. Yeah. So at three years old, with certainty, they can predict whether a child will end up in jail or prison. Incredible. And when they said that, I'm like, okay, it's, uh, it, you know, I'm waiting for the, for the punchline. It got to be something, you know, I gotta, that can't yeah. be that cut and dry, but that was it. You know, he said what he said and it was true. And then he went on to give us the reasoning for that. And what he said was they're able to predict that because of the geographical area that a child is born in. Um, the number of games they may have to walk by to get to and from school and whether their parents have been in jail or prison or not. And so here you are, this child at the age of three, you don't know what life is. Yeah. You don't possess an ounce of ill will Absolutely. in your body. And because of where you born, the arc of your life is limited to death or prison. And so I had to ask myself, if I had the ability to save that three-year-old kid's life, would I, right? Yeah. So for me, the answer is yes. And that's what left the bank is reaching back and trying to intercept these youth who are born on rocky foundation and born into situations where they're forced to choose between bad and worse and allowing them another opportunity right a, a, another choice other than choosing between bad and worse right because when these kids join these gangs and things like that it's not like they grow up and and, and that's their you know uh profession of choice you know people are looking for these kids are looking for a sense of family and belonging and that's a human instinct that's necessary for anyone to thrive wherever you're born at yeah. However, you know, that's just a necessity. Right. And so they're going to get that even if it's with the gang. And so we want to make sure that they have other options. So left the bang, we're doing our part to extend the olive branch from the inner city to the sets of Hollywood, teaching them, you know, the filmmaking school uh, uh, skills so that they can become, you know, filmmakers if they choose or fall in love with the aspect of filmmaking or if nothing else, if they walk away and they was like, yo, that was dope, but filmmaking isn't for me, they at least walk away with the idea, yo, if I can do that, I can do anything. And yeah. that's what the program is, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, reaching back and providing these youth an opportunity to, um, to, to get off that path to, to, to jail or prison by allowing them to breathe and achieve and exposing them to different things. Because at the end of the day, if they're given a choice to choose between, you know, shooting a gun or shooting a movie, they would obviously choose shooting a movie. Absolutely. Man, that's super dope. That, that's a great way to put it. Um, with that, what, how did the name Left of Bang come out of that mission and that intention mm -hmm of what your entertainment company is all about and, and what it is that you want your entertainment company to execute ultimately. 
Yeah, bang is represents that action moment in a kid's life where they decide to pick up a gun, commit a violent act, anything that puts them on the wrong side of the law. Yeah. Because then they're often in the hands of the prison system, the you know, the judicial system, the inmates, and so on and so forth. So our idea is for us to capture them and intercept them before that bang moment and yeah. keep them left the bang. Wow. Keep them from going on the wrong path rather keeping them left of bang and not in the nonsense and so that's where the game, uh, name left the bang come from you know because that's that's our mission keep them left the bang and um that's where we at and so it's been an amazing journey man and it has made me you know it has turned up everything that i'm doing it feels so much better and i think a lot of people don't understand and i've learned through joining the rotary that when you when you decide to give back without expecting anything back that feeling like you can't even explain you know you feel like you do some things to make you feel good or thing but it's nothing like um service over self and helping someone in need that energy and that you get back from doing that there's no other you know gratification or energy like it that's real, man. That's real. Because the work that I do, um, I, I work with the homeless population and some of it is through the, the media nice. sector as well. But even just like yesterday, one of our vendors at, at our organization, Street Roots, um, they came by the office to show me that they got their keys. They have been living on the streets for eight wow. years. You know wow. what I'm saying? For eight yeah. years, they have yeah. been unhoused. And, and the you feeling felt that as it good gave as they did. Man, yeah. it felt out, you know man, it was so dope, you know, because I've been mm -hmm. working with this person for the last two and a half to three years now. So yeah. I know they've been on the streets and I've yeah. heard the different conversations mm -hmm. and the different things that they've had to deal with, you know, having to live mm -hmm. on the streets where things can be really rigorous and it has mm -hmm. an impact on your mental health, your physical yeah. health, and just yeah. you know, all aspects yeah. of your life. So to see him come in, just to show me his keys, man, it was no mm -hmm. greater feeling yeah. than yeah. that, knowing what yeah. he had been through just in the mm -hmm. time that I'd known him, but knowing mm -hmm. that he'd been dealing with being homeless for three times the length that I've known him, and I've known him for three yeah. years, man. So, yeah. so I, absolutely, I absolutely get you on that. Yeah, it's an amazing feeling, huh? Yeah, great. Super dope feeling. Super mm -hmm. dope feeling. What I'm sticking to sort of this sociocultural aspect when it comes to comedy, though, um, we're in divisive times in America right now. Obviously, we know everything that's going on from the last administration bleeding over into this current administration. Mm -hmm. um, but to me, the voice of the comedian has always been so important. And I think now it's more important than ever because usually comedians tend to be more objective than people in most other spaces. Because for the comedian, it's more so about landing the joke but usually in landing the joke there's some kind of lesson to be taken from that um just what are some of your thoughts about the role of the comedian in today's society or just you know in society in the past as well because like i said i think that voice is actually becoming more and more important and mm -hmm. and, and we need to recognize that as a society yeah i definitely agree you know the the great comics uh, they're always saying something yeah. You know, beneath the laughter and beneath the jokes, um, as they take you on that journey, uh, whether, whether they're up there doing an hour or up there doing, you know, 10, 15 minutes, they they usually saying something beneath the jokes. Dave Chappelle, if you, as you mentioned, has been excellent with that. You know, um, you know, you, you, 
you, you always get a huge message and he's, you know, he, he's always digging deep and saying eye opening and mind opening things. And I think yeah. that's super duper duper important. And I think it's, um, you know, the role of every comic, if, if you've done your history to be saying something real and be speaking your truth. And I think it resonates when you have a comic up there and he's not talking about anything personal, even if it doesn't have a message, you some, he, it somehow doesn't land and doesn't connect. Right. Or we certainly don't remember him past, you know, seeing him on stage for those few minutes when in whatever club we may have been in. But I just think it's extremely important for comics to have a voice. And, you know, with everything that's going on and the shift that's happening in the world, um, things that, you know, are under a microscope and a lot of comics are feeling, you know, um, limited by the things they can say and, right. and worrying about the, you know, the, the, the lash back or whatever it may be. So it's a really funny time where comics are trying to fill in and find their fitting and, and, you know, and not offend, but still be able to say what they want to say because comedy is offensive, right? Yeah. Somebody's always, <laughs> you know, the, the butt of the joke. And in my opinion, you know, you can't sit there laughing like, oh, he said a, a joke about, you know, if, 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 if I'm black and I'm sitting in a club and he said a Latino joke and I'm laughing like hell, and then he said a fat joke and I'm laughing like hell, and then he yeah. said a midget joke and I'm laughing like hell, then he said a black joke and I'm like, hey, yeah. What you mean, man? What the hell is you no, know, keep laughing. <laughs> keep keep laughing, bro. You've been laughing harder than anybody else when I was talking about midgets, fat people, and Mexicans. Yeah. Now you laughing. No, keep laughing, right? Yeah. And so that's the hypocrisy, man. But the reality is somebody's always the butt of the joke, even if it's themselves. You know, they're up there talking about themselves. So um, you know, if it, if it's I say if it's not for you. You know, do, do like this with your ears. Plug your ears or leave. Don't come. Yeah. But, but let these folks do what they do. And I think, again, you know, a lot of comics, you know, they have real messages. And that's that's the ones I enjoy most. And you talk about, like, the Chris Rock and, you know, the Dave Chappelle and those folks. They're always saying something real. D.L. Hewley. Like, you go, you, you go yeah. see them. You laugh from start to finish. And you walk away smarter than when you walked in. And so Absolutely. I appreciate that. Absolutely. I got just a few more questions for you here. And, mm -hmm. and I'm enjoying all of this, man. You, you're giving us gold. You're giving us gold on the podcast, <laughs> man. You're giving us gold. Um, you've been a comedian for, what, 30 years now? Definitely been some decades. A comedian, mm -hmm. an actor, just in that in that entertainment space. Right, right. right. Acting yep. stand-up. So you've seen these different eras from the VHS era yeah. to the DVD yeah. era yeah. to present day we're in the streaming yeah. era. Yeah. Yeah. What was your yeah. favorite era to be a part of and why? And, and sort of connect that to the era we're in today and why this era is either positive or negative, you know, in your opinion, based on your career, your experiences and everything mm -hmm. it is that you're doing. I would say the DVD because I was so, um, I said so little responsibility and I was so young and naive and I was just, you know, every, you know, I was just enjoying, you know what I mean? So yeah. it, it was so little responsibility on my shoulders. So I was really able to, to, to dive in 
to that moment. And, and that was at a time to where I was breaking new ground and making these straight to DVD films. And they was like, yo, that's the king of DVD. Um, and I had sort of carved out a new path and sort of, you know, uh, set a tone for what would be years to come. So I would have to say that's my most favorite because that's when I really became me and built a foundation for myself that allowed me to provide, you know, to this day. Right. And so, um, you know, we, we made nothing to lose for $100,000. It went on to make over uh, $4.2 million. And that had never been heard of or done at all. They were so confused by it. But what studios did is they started to copycat that. They was like, dang, yo, like, what is going on? And so yeah. what they ultimately fig figured out is, you know, we could put movies, put them straight to DVD, have not have the overhead of the theatrical, you know, millions and millions of dollars and everything be profit right away. Right. And so they start to look into their library of things they own. And it's like, yo, this, you know, movie was good and successful. We don't have any... Uh, thoughts on making a sequel, but what if we did make a part two and just put it straight to DVD? So studios started to do that and make a ton of money. And that's when you started to see like, yo, when did they do part two? You know what I mean? I don't yeah. remember that. Because it didn't go to the theaters. It went straight to DVD. And wow. nothing to lose set the standard for that. That's the movie that went through the roof that they was like, yo. And it changed the whole dynamic wow. of the industry. So for me, that would be the ideal time. And then DVD came and it was the same. You know, I was, you know, locked in. And at that point, you know, loving making my small films and they were all very lucrative. And then now there was a space though from that blockbuster to Netflix becoming what it's come to where it was a little murky and everybody was trying to figure out, okay, how do we monetize off of this? You know, what, what, what route, you know what I mean? And now, present day with the digital, it has all sort of come full circle. And it is now for independent uh, person like it was back then, because it was wide open and it was new and it was exciting. When you go right. straight to DVD, it was like a hat you were found in the game. Like, hey man, you go push up two times, go left and put the reset button for five minutes, you get unlimited, you know? You yeah, get unlimited. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. it was sort of like a hack that was found. And now today it's back to where you have all these outlets, you know, and um, and uh, so it, it's, it's a dope time to be independent. And so you can really make small films and, and monetize off them. You can make a living, you know what I mean? If you're Absolutely. serious about it and if you take the steps, and so I'm I'm loving leaning into that now as well because that that suits me. That allows me to continue on and not being at the mercy of any executive, any studio. When they call and they want to work, or if it's a project I want to audition for because I think it's dope, I want to be a part of it, cool. You know what I mean? But if not, you know, I already have the left the bang plan lined out for this year and the movies we're gonna do. Absolutely. So, That's you dope. Know what I mean? I, I, I got to ask you this because obviously I live here in Portland, but I'm born and raised in the Bay Area. I'm from Vallejo, mm. California. Mm. You're, you're a legend for three strikes. I got to ask you about your relationship with the home team, man. E40, talk about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> talk about the water, B Hooks. <laughs> Yo, hey, I talked to 40 the other day. We FaceTime, man. So we, yeah. we planning to do some cool things soon, too. 
but that's my man. See, I'm born and raised in Bakersfield, and Bakersfield is an extension of the Bay, not LA. Even though right. we're a little closer, it's more everything trickle down from the Bay. It don't come from you know LA. So right, he forty like you know I grew up just banging that. You know what I mean in the yeah. car, you know in a major way, all that. And so when we did Three Strikes, that was my favorite. That's my favorite rapper before right. I knew him, right? Okay. And so when we did okay. Three Strikes, like, yo, I'm finna meet my favorite rapper. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so when we met, we clicked because, you know, he was a fan of, you know what I mean? The, the work that I've done, I, I'm he my favorite rapper and we just clicked immediately, but not just him, his whole family, man. So yeah. we, 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 we all of cousins now, man, and it's just, you know, 41 of the coolest dudes ever, man. He yeah. one of the coolest dudes ever, Absolutely. man. And I love him. And it that's been one of the highlights of this whole journey is just being able to meet 40 and then having a friendship, a genuine friendship to where, you know what I mean, we consider each other family. Yeah. It's been everything, man. But that's my dude. We're gonna do another uh something together. Okay. Um, coming up too, man. Okay, yeah, I'll, I, yeah. I'll be on it, I'll be on it. Cause yeah. like I said, I, I'm from Vallejo and 40 yeah, is certainly a family, he's certainly a family friend. And every time he comes to perform here in Portland, it's cool. And it's not just 40, but but he's certainly one of the people from the Bay that I know within yeah. the music industry, when they come to Portland, they don't know as many people out here. So right, right, right. I'm always able to get access through them yeah. because I'm somebody that's a part of the home team that's in an entirely different region yeah. and an entirely different market that can come rock out with them while they're coming to do their thing and perform. That's so, so sad. Yeah, the last time he came out here and performed at the Moda Center where the Trailblazers play, you know, mm. we, we definitely had a few concoctions and I yeah. got to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I, got to, I got to watch him perform and he let you know he got me and my brother backstage access like that's dope always shows mad love so i i had to uh, ask that's about dope. Him. yeah yeah that's i had dope. to ask about him in that um i got two more questions for you okay right? the first one so I, I cover sports in a major way but with this podcast i've always had an intention to like intersect sports with politics and intersect sports with culture because if when I'm being an analyst, for example, I'm an analyst at Portland State, a TV analyst over there. So mm -hmm. when I'm being an analyst, if you want to see me in analyst mode, go check my game out on Pluto TV when I'm doing my job at Portland State. We're in right. season right now. I promote it on the podcast all the time. But mm -hmm. when I come here, I like to talk about other things that I have interest in, you know, with this podcast. Sports mm -hmm. obviously still being one of them, but I'm not here to regurgitate what you might be hearing on ESPN, but for this, I want to introduce a segment because okay. we always ask people about their top five and what's your top five favorite rappers and what's your top five favorite comedian, which is what I'm going to ask you. But in regards to this segment, I want to call this segment the six man segment. And you're the first person that I'm doing this with. So basically mm -hmm. what I want you to do is give me your top five comedians, whether they be stand up or, act or, or you know, uh, film and acting comedians, it's totally up to you to decide. And then I want you to give me a six man, which basically will be a young and up and coming comedian that may not be on some of our radars. I know you work with the youth a lot, so there mm -hmm. may be somebody that you see on the up and up that we just haven't got a hold of yet, or it could be a six comedian that just 
didn't quite squeeze into that short five, that short list of five comedians. Mm -hmm. But you know, they're they're your honorable mention. They're your sixth man when it comes to that list. Uh, give it to me, B Hooks. Man, I would say uh, old school comics too. Whatever, old school comics. If we don't know them, educate us. I would say um, Eddie Murphy, okay. Richard Pryor, Red Fox, um, Chris Rock has always been one of my favorites. And um, man, um, yeah, oh, I didn't know it'd be that hard. And um, <laughs> mm, Gabriella Graces, okay, Fluffy, Fluffy. Fluffy's hilarious, and 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 Fluffy's not my number five. That's one of my favorite comics. But those five, and then oh man, the six, the six man, um, oh man. Oh man. Like I said, you could go either direction. It could be a young comic that you just got your eye on right now that you feel like has the gift, yeah. or it could be somebody that, like I said, just didn't quite squeeze into that five, but yeah. you're a fan of. Um man, it's a lot of that's man, I, you don't realize how hard we gotta yeah, work. Yeah, buddy. Five, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> um dang, bro. Um I, I mean. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot, man, that you had to leave. But I would say, you know, um, Dave Chappelle, man. Yeah. Oh, man, but see then, but then you got some more, you got Epps, you got Kevin. You got yeah, it's a lot of them. Down. You got DL. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know, it, it's sort of, you know, my five had to take precedence as far as age, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, for sure. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't, it, I, I guess it's just like, I love LeBron, but it's, I guess it's the Jordan-LeBron debate, you know, you just have to go with the- With the, the era. Cat, you know <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, with the yeah, era that so, suits you. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough one. That's a tough for one. For sure, for sure. It's all good, it's all good. Last question, man. What is it that you're working <laughs> on right now that, that you know, we should be looking forward to? And, and with that, how, how should we support it, being that you are independent when it comes to a lot of the work it is that you do? Like, how do we support independent filmmaking by way of what it is that Brian Hooks is doing in comparison to sort of the mainstream corporate backing filmmaking that, that doesn't have quite the independent element that a lot of your work does. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm working on a number of things. I just finished, I'm in post for my movie, Adam and Eve. It's a drama. It's a little different than what you, how you used to seeing me. And it's about this couple um, who fall in love and they both have skeletons in their past and those skeletons uh, start to creep up and yeah. prevent them from moving forward and living happily ever after. So straight drama, um, starring myself, I wrote, produced, directed, getting back to doing exactly, you know, what I do and why folks know me. Yeah. Um, and then with Bentley Evans, who created the Jamie Foxx show and was showrunner on Martin, he and I are doing a sitcom starring myself um, together. So that'll be happening this year as well. And then we have another film on the slate. And then also my left the bang with my youth is a big thing that I'm doing now. And we currently, you know, we have the film school going to where I'm teaching them the basics of filmmaking one-on-one -on -one so that they could take that blueprint and go out and make a film 
um, themselves, man. And so I think the way to support is just to, to represent and solicit, solicit the films. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, set a, set aside, you know, what people were doing with my stuff was in Blockbuster. They was going in and they was getting a new Jurassic Park, but they would also, yo, let me get that Brian Huss movie too. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's just do that. I'm not saying to not watch anything, but make sure you carve out space for these folks who are out here making yeah. their own films. If you say you want variety, if you say you support the culture and supporting these films. And also, man, what I'm doing is a crowdfunding for my Left the Bang Entertainment. And, and I would love if you would uh, support and, um, you know, um, to your audience that as well, because what it does, um, because as of now, you know, these youth that I'm teaching for free, everything they get is for free and having them on set, I'm doing that on my own. And so we're doing a crowdfunding because one, I figure, you know, I, I know that People want to do good and people yeah. want to help. And this is a way that you could go to the Kickstarter, get $5 and literally be a part of saving a youth's lives. And it allows them to uh, be on set on my next film and learn the ins and outs and um, also supports the virtual school that I do. And it keeps these kids busy, engaged and entertained and learning and following, um, you know, our mentorship instead of following that street mentorship, which we know where that leads them, man. So um, a handful of things happening, man, but just trying to make sure everything I do in entertainment has a positive social impact attached to it. Absolutely, man, that's super dope. How do we, how do we find that uh, and I'll put it like in the bio uh, or in the description of this episode for the podcast, but how do we find that crowdfunding um, we, link um, or, 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 or where do we go for that? Um, it, it's uh, the, the crowdfunding launches March 9th. And okay. then um, you can go to Left of Bang Entertainment on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, and there will be a link there to the uh, pre-page starting next week. And you can see everything, what the program is about. And like I said, if you have $5, you could donate. Um, and you know, and it helps, you know, it goes towards something real. Um, and then it has a real, you know, cause and effect that, that pushes the world forward. Absolutely, man. Well, B Hooks, appreciate you greatly, man, for, for taking your time out to join me on my little show that I got going on sure. right here, man. Sure. We, we definitely, it, it, I would be remiss to leave this episode without giving a shout out to my former basketball coach, Derek Jones. Yeah, he's a very good friend of yours. And he was the one that yeah, was able man. To, to connect the dots for you to be able to come here on the podcast. And we actually had Coach Jones on this podcast here okay. before as well. And, you cool. know, it, it was cool, man. I think he really enjoyed himself. And he's like, man, you know what? I got to connect you with B. Hood. So, you know, here we are That's making it up. happen, man. So, so got to give him a shout out and pay him his homage in regards to being able to put this play together. Yeah, that's my man, man. That's my man right there. So yeah, I'm glad he hooked us up, man. I wish you all the success and everything that you're doing. I'm sure we'll talk again, bro. A absolutely. I'll definitely be having you back on the podcast. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, we will leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win. Mm.